0: Good morning all. Quite a few years ago, with a bunch of friends, I went on an ex- mountaineering expedition to the Alps in Europe. It was an incredible adventure that we went on. We needed ropes, we needed ice axes, we needed crampons, helmets, the works, because we were scaling this rock face in snow. It was an amazing experience, but I remember on one particular occasion when we split into two groups and one group were climbing the front of this rock face and the second group were going round the side to cl- climb this sheer vertical cliff. The leader, I was in the second group that went round the side and the leader of our group took a long, long time to scale this rock face. He was an accomplished climber. We couldn't see him because we were simply guiding the rope from around the corner. So we couldn't see the holes he took, etc. But he did eventually get up came to my turn and I went round the side. couldn't see the guy who had gone ahead. He was out of sight but he had hold of the rope upon which I was uh, attached and I attempted to climb this face. Despite everything I could not get up this face. On more than one occasion I found myself hanging on the end of this rope in mid-air and as the clouds parted because they'd been in place when we began the climb I could see how far above the ground I was. Eventually I had to concede that I wasn't going to get up this face. And so I was lowered back down to the face at the front of the rock where the other team had gone. By now, everybody else had ascended and I was the last one to to attempt to climb. The adrenaline was pumping. I was anxious. I was nervous. I was starting to think, well, what happens if I can't get up this face? How will I get down from here? All kinds of questions were raging through my mind. Fear, anxiety were very present. (laughs) Eventually, I did manage to get to the top. And as I approached the summit where the rest of the group were waiting, I just found myself incredibly emotional, bursting into tears. Probably with the sense of relief that I'd got there, but also with the sense of amazing beauty that I witnessed at the top of this uh, Alps, at the top of this mountain. It was an incredible adventure. That's a fairly extreme situation, isn't it? Probably not many of us will go on an adventure like that, and. Yet it illustrates something for us. It illustrates that fear and anxiety are a reality that we all face. Fear is all around us. Fear of the unknown, fear about our future, fear about finances, job security, fear about our health. And Covid has only enhanced, heightened that sense of fear. Ultimately, as humans, the fear of death is perhaps the one we face most and again Covid it's been told has caused that sense of mortality to come to the fore more than it normally does in our culture. Now fear is not sin itself. Fear may protect us as I was hanging on that rope or trying to scale that rock face. What did fear do? It heightened my sense of awareness. It it, it increased my resolve to stay safe. But fear can also cripple us and prevent us doing what God wants us to do and being who God wants us to be. If we're to be a church without walls, that means at least reaching out to those who we don't know, who maybe aren't like us, and welcoming them into our community. That can produce anxiety and fear. I've faced some of that, as at various times I've felt God prompt me to speak to people, whether it's unknown people on the streets or whether it's friends who I've got to know over time and I prompt God wanting me to say something and I can face that obstacle of fear and anxiety. Am I going to step over this? Am I going to get courage to move forward? I guess the question we all face then around fear and anxiety, recognising we will all have it in our lives, is do we let fear rule us and control us? Or do we get hold of God and allow him to lead us down a different path, a path of courage, a path of overcoming. It's my privilege this week and next to spend time looking at breaking down walls, overcoming fear. And This week I want to look at who is God, next week I want to look at who are we. But let's begin by looking at a very familiar passage in Luke chapter 11, it's verses 5 to 13. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers? If your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead. If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then though you're evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give the holy spirit to those who ask him this passage follows very closely on from the lord's prayer that's where the disciples were asking jesus teach us to pray we've got to see these passages together prayer is of course one of the chief ways in which we connect to and relate with God and we've got to see that this prayer then is given in the context here of who God is what kind of God is he that we come to and we approach and we try to connect to in prayer everything we are as human beings and as followers of Jesus can and does begin with a revelation of who is God We don't relate to God, do we? By some kind of method or technique, as this passage highlights to us. But we build a relationship with a good, gracious Father. If we think God's a machine and we simply relate to Him out of method, then when we put our money in the slot and don't get the answers we want, we're incredibly disappointed. But if we realise He's not a machine and this isn't about God not working. Actually, this is about me building a relationship and talking and dialoguing and getting to know God and getting to know his heart that God relates. Overcoming fear, I want to suggest, begins by understanding who this God is and that he wants a relationship with us, that this is a God who relates. We don't come to him by trying to twist his arm, trying to blackmail him or bribe him or manipulate him we come and relate as the personal god that he is there's a few issues we need to know about this passage in setting the context that i just want to list before we go into more detail firstly in the culture of the day shame and dishonor carried a lot of importance for some of our community in this church who have come from other nations they'll probably understand better than me that culture of shame and dishonor The friend in bed doesn't get up because he's simply his friend, but he gets up because of culture, the culture of shame and dishonor. His honor is up for grabs. And if he refuses to help out his friend who needs food, the host, then actually there's going to be dishonor all over the place. The host will be dishonored because he can't look after his guest in the way that he'd like to. The friend in bed would be dishonoured for not helping out. And in village life, everyone will know about it. And the village would be dishonoured for their lack of hospitality. Dishonour and shame is writ large across this story. Secondly, we see community interdependence. This is a community thing. Welcome and hospitality is at stake. The sleeping friend then, when he gets up, he gets up and gives as much as needed. He doesn't simply go, here's your three loaves begrudgingly, take that and don't ever disturb me again. Actually, it says he gives all that was needed. Hospitality, community interdependence is at stake. And As I say, third thing is hospitality. There's an irony in this narrative. It's almost like, can you imagine that the friend wouldn't get up to help, implication being, no, of course you can't. Of course you can't imagine that would happen because he won't deny help because hospitality is at stake and shame and dishonor is at stake. Of course he'd get up. It's like, can you imagine Phil Norris preaching a sermon without mentioning running? (laughs) Of course you can't because he always does, but I'll try on this occasion. So what does this passage tell us about God? Well, firstly, it tells us he loves to give Good gifts. If even sinners know how to give good gifts to children or evil people, as the passage in the NIV says, how much more will our good God, our Father God, give good to those who ask Him? The emphasis here isn't on us being evil albeit we all know we're broken we all know that we're not perfect we all know we haven't got it all together the emphasis is on the good gifts that the father will give that actually even we as those who are fallen and broken seek to do good so even more the father will hey listen we're approaching christmas aren't we Some of you love to give good gifts. Some of you love to go shopping. Your love language is present giving. This is a great time for you. You, Yeah, what can I get this person and that person and that person? Others of us, it's not so much fun. We don't like traipsing around the shops. We don't like trying to think about what gift. But whatever state we find ourselves in, we work hard to find a gift or find a way through this gift giving that actually will please the person that we have in mind if we with our brokenness and our fallenness and our different personalities and different characters still seek to give good gifts how much more God our good gracious father will give good gifts to those who ask him he loves to give good gifts secondly we can trust God he gives good why does he give good because he is good you know, God isn't the one who, I don't always like for you growing up, but, or for your kids, if you've got kids, who would look forward to a present at Christmas from a particular relative, maybe a wealthy relation of some sort. They always knew if this person brought them a gift, it would be brilliant. And they would be incredibly disappointed if, for whatever reason, this person had forgotten on this year, on this occasion god is not that person who we don't look forward to the gift from actually neither is He the person who's going to give us the great gift because god's gifts surpass them all god gives good and our approach to god then should not be shaped by fear or anxiety about what am i going to get from god is it going to be good or not is he going to meet my needs or not is he going to be there for me We shouldn't be shaped by that kind of fear or anxiety. God is good and gracious and he'll only give good gifts. Our worldview and our approach should be shaped by that understanding of who God is. And if we understand who God is, if we trust him as a good, gracious father, then actually we can overcome fear through courage, through trusting him, through knowing the kind of God he is even when we face circumstances and situations that we don't understand, if we've had that revelation that he is trustworthy, then we can move forward and start to overcome fear. When I was hanging off that rope, I trusted the rope. I also trusted Dan, who was on the end of that rope holding me. I couldn't see Dan. He was out of sight but I trusted him and so actually as I was hanging off that rope uh, on the first face I was trying to climb with the ground miles beneath my feet, the valley spreading out, I actually wasn't fearful because my understanding, my trust in the man at the end of the rope and in the rope and the equipment was so great. On that, at that part I wasn't fearful. I got fearful when I came back down to the other face and realised it was now down to me. Can I scale this rock face or not? And I didn't know whether I could. You know, despite that fear and anxiety, I did eventually summit. And as I've said already, we had the time of our lives. As I burst into tears at the top of that cliff, part of it also was the beauty that I saw around me and at the top they had this crucifix with a metal box and in the metal box was a book where you could write and I wrote we came and marvelled at the wonder of God as we went home and Helen and I went to visit my mum and dad to share something of this journey this uh, incredible adventure I'd been on as we walked into the room I'd again just burst into tears mum's thinking what's happened what's gone wrong nothing had gone wrong It was just the exhilaration and the encounter and the experience and the joy of having overcome my fear and experienced what I experienced. Trust opened up an opportunity for me to have an incredible experience. And as we trust the good father, even if we don't understand, even if we're nervous and anxious and fearful, if we put our trust in him and step out of our comfort zone, even so overcome the obstacles. Incredible, exhilarating times will open up and I'll see what God will do through me for others and I will grow. He only gives good. And He, thirdly, welcomes us always. Ask, keep on asking. We know these verses. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Everyone who asks receives. You know, what's going on here? Is this to wear God down? I don't think so. This isn't like my youngest daughter who was overheard saying to her cousins on one occasion, don't worry, just keep badgering your dad. We badgered my dad for two years before he gave in and got us a dog. (laughs) I know there's a few more in our community now who have got dogs. I wonder if they've been badgered for that length of time. You know, this isn't that. This is recognition of who God is, that he loves to give he doesn't get tired of giving and he doesn't get tired of us coming to him he's not totting up our requests saying you've had too many maybe provision it may be a struggle we're in it may be overcoming anxiety and fear to step out of my comfort zone God doesn't run out of patience when I come back again and go God I still need your help I'm still getting anxious and fearful many times Helen and I have come to God about the same issue and many times he has answered us yet again we sometimes feel surely we can't ask God this again, but he welcomes us. As often as you want to come, he welcomes. He knows your needs anyway. He hears your cry. I get impatient if people best pester me for too long or my kids would pester me growing up. I've told you before, you know what the answer is. God's not like that. He doesn't get impatient with us. So if anxiety strikes you, if reaching out to people you don't know is something that, of course, is going to produce that level of fear and anxiety. If putting Jesus on your lips is often to pray, if coming alongside someone, you go, oh, I just don't know quite how to do it. Get hold of God and ask him this good, gracious father. He welcomes your request. He welcomes you coming to Him. ask him again and again and again and watch what God will do through you as you step over your fear. Watch as he gives you grace and peace and courage. And fourthly, he gives his best. Note how this story ends with mention of the Spirit. The Spirit hasn't been mentioned up to now. You could look at this and go, where on earth did that come from? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It almost feels out of place because it's not seemingly been the subject matter of this particular passage. But the best gift that God can give is his spirit as Jesus rose again from the cross and went to be with his father and ascended to be with his father father and son send the spirit and the spirit comes and lives within us and helps us overcome the obstacles the fear the anxiety that hold me back that hinder me that sometimes prevent me doing all that God wants me to do the greatest gift from the greatest giver, is the Holy Spirit. And so we become anointed messengers, just like Jesus, who lived his life under the anointing of the Spirit. We become those who now live in the good of this Holy Spirit being poured out upon all flesh. And this Spirit, when I'm in need, helps me, and I call out to God. And what does God give me? He gives me his Spirit to help me overcome my fear. Fear about my kids or fear about my health or fear about stepping out or fear about the person who isn't like me that God wants me to welcome into my community. God, the Holy Spirit, helps me overcome those inhibitions, overcome those obstacles and step out. And then I marvel at what God does as we step out. In all that we ask and petition God about, his answer is to give of his spirit. The spirit who unveils Jesus to us, who glorifies Jesus, who works in our life. I think I need something to happen in my life. What's God's answer? Receive Holy Spirit. He will help you. If we're to be a church without walls, overcoming fear, I suggest, starts by knowing who this God is. He's a good, good father who we can trust, who welcomes us and who gives us his Holy Spirit. Where's your fear and anxiety today? What's COVID heightened in your being? Is it employment? Is it putting food on the table, paying bills? Is it the unnamed nature of 2021, let alone unknown what's going to happen this Christmas? Is it the unknown of welcoming and reaching out to people who are not like me and somehow get crossing those boundaries and overcoming fear? We all have fear. We all face fear. We all get anxious. But we can get hold of this good, good father who gives us of his spirit and start to step out and overcome fear. We can find courage as we get this revelation of who God is. I want to, if you'll let me, set you some homework for this week. Have a look in Psalm 145. Read it. Pray it. Ask Holy Spirit to give you revelation from this Psalm 145 who God is. God bless you and we'll continue next week by considering who are we but this week look at Psalm 145 and let God speak to you about who he is. Amen.